Good to see you guys here that have braved the nice cold weather. I was telling, I texted Ron a while ago, and I said, we having church? And he said, yeah. I said, okay. So it was sleeting at our house. <laughs> so I'm going, uh, we got a mountain to cross between here and there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we got on this side of the mountain. It was a couple of three degrees warmer than it was on the north side. So we'll be all right. Sister Julie said I might be skating on ice going home, and I said I refuse to accept that. I rebuke that in Jesus' name for sure. I do not like ice. <laughs> Good to see you guys this evening. And trust you've come to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Let's just begin by going to the Lord in prayer. Stand, if you will. And let's take our, this time and this uh, worship time and, and study of God's word together. And let's just ask him to guide and direct us tonight. Father God, as we come before your throne of grace, we are grateful and thankful, Lord, for your mercy. We are thankful, Lord God, for your watchfulness over us and your care and concern for us every day. Father, we just come to this house tonight just to give you honor and glory and praise to worship you in spirit and in truth and to allow Holy Spirit you to do in our hearts and lives tonight what we need done and what you want to do in us and for us and through us, Father. God, may you guide and direct us in all that we do that you receive the honor and the glory and the praise for all of these things we ask in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Let's join Sister Julie and Brother Dennis tonight.
close my eyes, I can see your glory. When I raise my hands, I can touch your face. When I bow my knees, I stand before you and Christ is formed in me. want you to have your way tonight in this service. Father, just move among your people tonight, touching hearts, refreshing spirits, God. Father, we trust you, God. And whatever you do, God, we trust you, Father. Yes. You are righteous. You love justice. to see your majesty 
trust is in the name of the Lord. I will sing your praise. You are Provided, great 
my children understand my heart understand me for who I am I am faithful I am true I am the only God that there ever has been ever will be I I was I am and I will be that is my promise that is my word to you I am the faithful and the true witness. I am the one who sits on a throne of all eternity and all the universe that I have created it. And I'm faithful. Do not lose heart. Do not give up for those things that you desire to see in your lives. Do not let the enemy steal from you that which I have in store for you. My word tells you that every good and every perfect gift comes from above, from me, the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Take what you have sung this evening before my throne and let it sink deep in your spirit. Let it become the rock upon which you stand, knowing that I am your God, knowing that I am full well in control of everything. Man may think that he has all of the answers. Man may think that they have the right ways, but their ways are not always my ways. And my way will be what is your life, what will bring you joy, what will bring you peace, what will bring you contentment. Do not let go of that. Hold on to that. Hold on to that. For I am God. And I am faithful. Hallelujah. Thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see, Julie, you sang my sermon. Thank you. You may be seated. I don't know if you sense it or not, but church, I sense his presence. Oh, I sense his presence. 
I do not have the words to describe what it's like to be in his presence. They don't exist. All I can tell you, you used to hear it put this way, it's better felt than telt. And I know that's not great English, but I like it. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, that his mercy endureth forever. He's faithful. Great Lord God is your faithfulness. Well, we'll do things a little different tonight. I'm going to go ahead and get into the Word, if you don't mind. <laughs> Your Bibles turn, if you will, to the book of Matthew, first of all. Chapter 17. And then put your finger over in Revelation chapter 1. Matthew chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. says, six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up to a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Something real quickly that I noticed in this passage that we had kind of talked about a few weeks ago. <laughs> Suddenly Moses and Elijah appear. Over in Revelation chapter 1. Put my marker back here. John on the Isle of Patmos. Makes a description, and I want to read this because it's very important to us as well. I have to find exactly where it's at. <coughs> John talks about, uh, in verse 9, I'm not going to read it, but he was talking about who he is. He says he's your brother, your partner in the suffering of God's kingdom. But he also says in that verse, I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching for the word of God. Verse 10, it was the Lord's day and I was worshiping in the spirit. And then as he was worshiping, something happens. And he hears a voice that says, write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches. Verse 12 is where I really want to pick up with for, for certainly. When I turned to see who is speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow. 
and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. And his face was like the sun in all of its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Father God, we come to you again tonight, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, for the confirmation in the songs that you have led upon Sister Julie's heart to lead us in tonight. That this is what you want to talk to us tonight about. And I pray, Father God, that I am, and tell you, Lord God, that I am totally submitted unto you. I am your servant. Use me for your honor and for your glory and, Lord, for the edification and the building up of this church. And, Lord, not just those of us that are here tonight, but everyone that will hear this or is listening to this tonight, I pray, Father God, that the same presence and power of your spirit that I sense in this house tonight. Lord, that you will have that same effect, Lord God, that you will cause that same presence and that power to be made manifest in the hearts and the lives of everyone that hears and is watching this tonight and that will hear it in the future. Help us, Lord God, to get a grasp in our hearts and in our minds of what you want to reveal to us that you, Lord God, can work through us and that, Lord God, we will hold fast the profession of our faith and not ever let go of it because of who you are. Father, these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle John saw Jesus in his glory twice. And I thought about this. I was thinking that Jesus had said that he would see the coming of the Son of Man when he, the disciples, one of the disciples asked Jesus about, well, what about John? And he said, well, if, what if I let him live till I come again? What's that to you? And Jesus' essence was telling him, you quit trying to live John's life for him and you live your life for me and let me take care of that and I'll take care of the rest of them. But the Bible tells us in, in there in Matthew chapter 17 that Jesus took Peter, James, and John up to a high mountain and was transfigured before them. Again, it says his face was white, shone like the sun, his clothes turned white. But if you notice, none of them fell down at that particular point in time. Why was that? I think, this is my own opinion, but I think when Jesus was transfigured before those three men that day, he got, gave them a glimpse of the glory. Now, I've talked about this before, 
we can see the glory of God. And I believe, church, there are times when we need to be in such a, a condition spiritually and, and preparing ourselves spiritually that the glory of God can be manifested in greater measure than it ever has been before. And in my opinion, if there was ever a time that the world around us needed to see the glory of God and to see the reality of who God is, this is that day and this is that hour. He needs to show himself through us. He needs to be able to flow through us and touch through us. Wasn't going to say anything about this, but I had a young lady the other day. I had stopped to the little Dollar General there in Davis. And she was, as I was coming in the door, she was coming out to get something in a hurry. And I said, come on, Gina. I'm sorry. I said, no, you come on. I said, you, you got things to do. Don't worry about it. And then somewhere else later, I saw her in the store, and then I went to check out. She was a lady that checked me out, and uh, she made this statement to me, and it, it does not reflect on me personally. It reflects on the God I serve. It reflects on the Spirit of God, and it, it, it humbled me. She said something about, and I didn't quite catch what she said. They asked her three times, and she said, oh, it's all right. I, I like you. And then she said, she said this same same thing three times, and finally the third time I caught on it, she said, you have a very calm spirit. Now, I'll be honest with you. I got out in the car, and I thought, honey, you've never seen me out in I-35 traffic. I am much... <laughs> My wife will vouch for me and tell you, I'm telling you, I, I just, I, I'm not very good at people that pull silly stuff. But it humbled me to think that God was able to touch her and show her something through me. It wasn't me, it was God, church. I am going to tell you right here, right, it wasn't me, it was God. But John and James and Peter saw him transfigured. Good old impetuous Peter said, let's build three tabernacles. And Jesus said, Peter, hush. In essence, that's why he talked. He said, hush. Because if there's ever going to be a temple built, it needs to be built inside of us. The apostle Paul will write, know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit which dwells within you. This is the temple. This is where God dwells. Not just myself, but every born-again child of God, and especially every spirit-filled child of God, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God that dwells within us, that guides us and directs us, that enables us to touch the hearts and the lives of people around us, even when we're not even trying to. I think sometimes it's kind of like I was reminded of what they said about Peter after the day of Pentecost. He said that he walking by, his shadow passing by, people got healed because of the power of God that flowed out of his life, flowed through him. I don't know how many of you know, I bet you would understand this. You understand the water hose. What does it do? It transfers water, hence the name water hose. But it has to be connected to that spigot that has to have some pressure behind it. That water hose does not do a garden or your yard or your trees any good or wash your car if there's not any water flowing through it. 
Somebody know where I'm going with this? The same thing is true about you and I. If we are not connected to God and we don't have the other end of the hose plugged up, then the water will flow out of us and touch everybody else. In your, in your own unique individual way. I, I say this a lot, but I really wish, I, I think people don't get it. The devil tries to convince people, well, you've got to be some great mighty preacher person or, or you've got to be some great missionary that goes over the ocean into another country. No. God is looking for men and women and boys and girls that will let him flow through them and touch other people. You know this. I'm not telling you something we don't already know, but we need to be reminded. And sometimes we make it too difficult. But Lord, we're kind of like Moses. But Lord, I can't talk well. You know what God told him? Moses, who think made your mouth? How many times, my, we, my wife and I have kind of got to watching, uh, we do it on YouTube, but we got to we watch these shows, you know, like America's Got Talent and, and those kind. But some of the people that come out there and, and begin to, to perform, sometimes they get out there and they're so tongue-tied they can barely talk. But you let them start singing something that's in their heart. And it begins, something about them changes. Something about them becomes alive. And they begin to sing with all they've got within themselves. And it astounds. And it amazes those judges. And a lot of times there's stories behind these people. And yet their expression is one of, uh, of they, they are able to, uh, to uh, what's the word, project that feeling in the way they sing. I don't know how old the song Great Is Thy Faithfulness is, but that's been around for a lot of years. We didn't used to, in fact, I don't really, growing up in a, in a Pentecostal church, don't remember singing that very often. Now, that's, oh, I thought that was one of the Methodist songs. <laughs> but you know what? The more that I look at that song, I love that song. Now, I can play at a keyboard. I've got one at home, and I can play at it. But one of the songs that I like to play, and I have to do it over and over again, get halfway decent rhythm to it, is that song. I like the different chords that, and all of the stuff in it. But the message itself speaks to me. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what's happening in my life. God is always faithful. We see on that Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus is transfigured before them. His face shines like the sun. His clothes turn white. Then we go to the book of Revelation, and John is on the Isle of Patmos. Why? Because he was preaching the word of God. In that verse, he said, On the Lord's day, I was worshiping him in the spirit. The King James Version says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And he hears a voice saying, come up here and I will show you things that will be hereafter. I will show you some things. Write these things down and make sure that the seven churches get these messages that I'm telling you. And he turns to see who's talking to him. 
this struck me in fact this struck me Sunday night that Sister Julie was leading us in worship oh that we would get eyes that would see what John saw Oh, that the Holy Spirit of God would help us to understand the magnificent majesty and the absolute power that flows out of the man Christ Jesus. How do you know that? Listen to what he said. I heard the voice and when I turned around to look, I saw seven gold lampstands. Some say it was like a menorah that the, the Jewish people use. And standing in the middle of those lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. I, I wonder how, no, I know how. I started to say, I, do, I did wonder how, but the Lord kind of helped me understand. He was in the Spirit. Remember, He was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Why is that important? Because had he been just in his flesh and bone, having seen Jesus in all of his glory, in all of his majesty, he would have fallen over dead. Because the Bible says, God told Moses, he said, Lord, I want to see you. God, I want to see you. And God says, you can't look at me and live. It'll kill you. He wasn't being unkind. He wasn't being rude to Moses. He would just knew that the human body and especially that human body that had been marred and had been stained and had been corrupted by sin from Adam could not stand in the presence of a holy and a righteous God. He knew that. He said, Moses... Go over here in a cleft of the rock. And the Bible says God covered him with his hand. He said, you can see my hinder parts. As I pass by, you, I'll give you that glimpse. And if I remember correctly, the Bible says when Moses came down off Mount Sinai, Moses literally glowed. They said, you got to put something over all that. We can't stand to look at you. Why? Because he had been in the presence of God. Let me stop a minute and let me backtrack just a little bit. Go back to the garden. When God had created Adam and Eve, the Bible says that, you know, the Bible says when they, when they sinned, God came, but it says as his custom was. Did you ever stop and think about that? God walked in into the garden where Adam and Eve were. Adam and Eve walked up to God and talked to him face to face. They were human. He'd already made them. But they were perfect. They were still righteous. And it didn't kill them. What happened? Sin happened. Sin changed the picture. 
But does that, does that mean that no, God no longer wants to have anything to do with mankind? No. Why do you think God walked in the garden? As our, our pastor, our preacher friend said, Sunday, Sunday, I can't remember Sunday morning, Sunday night, but he talked about God went down there and when he asked the question, Adam, where, you are, where are you? It wasn't because he didn't know where Adam was. He wanted Adam to say, God, I messed up. God wanted that relationship with mankind. God has always, if I can stress anything, not just to us, but someone that will hear this or listen to this either tonight or sometime in the future, God has always wanted a relationship with mankind. Why did he go to all of the trouble to make an earth that only man could live in? God did not need it. He already had a house. He already got a throne. He's already got a place where he lives. But he made this earth for mankind. He had a plan for mankind. Jesus was the plan for mankind because God wants a relationship with mankind. He won't accept the sin. He won't accept the, 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 the degradation and the unrighteousness. He cannot accept that. But he offers a way for you and I to come to him Several times in the New Testament, Paul says it, and I think Peter says it, and James, I think, even says it. We have the ability to come with boldness before the throne of grace. Why? Because God cares. God wants that relationship. The Bible says John looked. I wished I had the ability to draw what John saw. I look this up. I, I got my phone out and I'm going, images of Jesus in the book of Revelation chapter 1. There's some weird pictures that people have drawn. I'm going, um, you know, I was kind of wishing I could find what I felt like would be a good representation. I couldn't find one that suited me. Now, I'm sorry, that's just me. Maybe I'm being just me. But I don't think John could have I don't think you could have taken a photograph with a camera and done it justice. We got some pretty good cameras anymore, but I don't think you could have. But the Bible says that John heard that voice. And when he turned around to look, he said, it's one like the Son of Man, wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. How many of you can think about the times that it snowed before all the kids get out there and make a mess of it and all the dogs and whatever make a mess of it? And you get out there and the sun comes out in all of its brilliant glory and hits that white snow. I have to have sunglasses. Uh, and there's times that I almost wish I had welder glasses. <laughs> I mean, it's bright. It nearly, it nearly blinds you. And yet he said his hair was white as wool, as white as snow. Is that all? No, that's not all there is to it. His eyes were like flame of fire. What does that suggest? 
It suggests that he sees everything. He knows everything. And his life and his, and his power is able to burn through the lies and the deception of the devil and hit the hearts and the lives of men and women and boys and girls that need to know that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, that he is the only way to come to the Father, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. When we bought our Pathfinder, I had some, they weren't necessities, but they were wants that I wanted in my car. First of all, I wanted heated mirrors. Nothing more aggravating than be driving down the road in the springtime and then that moist air hits them cold mirrors and they fog over and you can't see anything. I like seeing what's sneaking up on me. I wanted fog lights. Well, you're crazy. No, I'm not. Have you ever driven the Chickasaw Turnpike at like 6 in the morning when the deer decide it's time to eat on the side of the road? Or go be bopping right across the, the, the middle of it from one side to the other. I want to be able to see them boogers when they start moving. I do not want to hit one. I've seen what they can do. They can, they can mess up a lot. That was one of the things I wanted. But I wanted something like that that will pierce through the darkness. But when Jesus looks at us, he doesn't, he doesn't just look at the outside. What does the Bible tell us? God said, don't look. He told Samuel. When Samuel, he told Samuel to go get a king after Saul had messed up like God knew he was going to. He said, now, you go find me the one I want. Samuel went to Jesse. He said, and God, God, God told him, you go to Jesse. You go look at his boys. I'll show you which one I want. And the Bible says that Jesse called his sons in, and, and Samuel had called for that. So he said, come bring all the boys, get the boys in here. And so he got went started with the oldest down to the next to the last. Samuel, oh, the oldest one, he looks like, mm. God said, nope. Number two, I don't remember how many sons Jesse had, but number two, nope. Number three, no, nope. on down like, nope. Yep, and he's got, he's got good quality. It wasn't nothing, there was not anything wrong with their qualities. They just weren't the one God had selected. Samuel goes through all of them. Jesse, he said, Jesse, is this all there is? And I could just say, yeah, well, yeah, we got the kid out there watching the sheep. But he's a kid. He don't know nothing. He's good for watching the sheep, and that's about it. You, somebody, and I can't remember, some of you might know who did sing it. There's, there's a song that has been sung in contemporary Christian music. When others see a shepherd boy, God sees a king. And Samuel says to Jesse, I'm not going to sit down and eat with you until you bring him in here. So sure enough, Jesse gets David brought in there. David comes for him and God said, that's the one I want. That's my choice. The baby. Now, I don't know about you. My wife's the baby of her family. 
little sport maybe. <laughs> maybe not. No, she's got to get head on her shoulders. I, she's not sport. I try to, but I don't do probably as good a job as I should. But he was a baby. God said, I want him. And the Bible tells us how God used David to become the king that he wanted Israel to have. It doesn't matter. God, what I'm getting at, God looks through all of the stuff. God looks through all of the, the facades, all of the smoke screens that we try to throw and fool everybody else with. God looks right straight through them because those eyes of fire see the truth. He is truth and his eyes are looking for truth. I, I, I wish there was a way. I, I, within me, I don't have it. But I wish there was a way we could just put up a hologram or something that would, that would look like that. But we don't. We just can do it by faith and by the Spirit. His feet were like polished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. Now I have, my wife and I have been to North Padre Island a few times, and I love listening to the waves, but that's not the kind of waves he was talking about. I, I wonder, and I don't know if some of these people, sailors and Navy people that have been on these ships, been out in these storms, I'm sure when them waves get 30 and 40 and 50 and 100 foot tall, they make some noise. His voice thundered. Church, do you get a, in a, I'm hoping you get a little in, in insight into the power and the majesty that is inherent in the, our King of kings and our Lord of lords. His voice thunders like mighty waves. He held seven stars in his right hand and a sharp two-edged sword came out of his mouth. And his face was like the sun in all of his brilliance. In the flesh, John could not have seen all of those details. So I said, when you go back to that verse when he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Don't ask me how God does it. It doesn't matter. I couldn't explain it to you if I knew. But all of that brilliance, all of that power. Why? Because the Bible says, John records, I fell before him as one dead. He was in the spirit. The Spirit had helped him get to this point in place. I don't think he was in his body. I think he was, it was, he was there. His body got left on the Isle of Patmos. His spirit got taken up, and God took care of his body while he was gone. His glory. Every song that we've sung about tonight has in one way or another this evening talked about his glory. That first song, I knew that I knew. I was on the right track. I was listening, God, had, and I listened, and I heard what God said to talk about. Why is it important? When we recognize, when we can get some kind of idea, just a, a, a small glimpse of 
the majesty of God that he wants to show us and get us to a place where he can show his power and his majesty more and more. We're his, and I do not mean this disrespectfully to God, we're his water hose. He's the source. And I do not, I do not mean it disrespectfully to him, but it has to be connected to the source. You could have the fanciest house on the planet. Start saying, they have to be, well, I've seen some expensive houses, you know, kind of curious sometimes looking. It's like, you want how much for that? It ain't worth that to me. Some big houses, and they want 300 and 400 and 500, and, and I see them big ones, they want two or three million for, and it's like, you know what? They all have to get their power from the same power plant. You could have the finest of the finest. But you know what? You can have the best house made of gold and silver and the best, most expensive wood. I don't know if teak is still expensive or not. I don't know what they what an expensive wood is. At one time it was, you know, if we have a teak, you know. Mahogany used to be. My, my grandfather uh, was a carpenter, and I have a dresser. And it's not solid mahogany, but it's mahogany veneers. And I'm sure they were expensive enough as it was, but he has a, a dresser. We have a dresser, and our bed is made out of that material. That was expensive. You can have the finest house. You can have the finest church, and we have a very nice one. But if we don't have water, and we don't have electricity, it's just a building. Just don't think about it. Church, the same is true. If we don't get plugged into this powerhouse called Jesus, we do not have the ability to effectively reach the world around us. John saw and looked at it. It, was, it had to be. From what John describes, probably the best he could do. It had to be a, an awe-inspiring experience. It amazes me that he didn't recognize Jesus first off. He'd seen him on the Mount of Transfiguration, but I'm not so sure that the whole impact and the whole fullness of what he saw on the Isle of Patmos was quite, wasn't quite as much as, as what he saw on the Isle of Patmos, but he still saw him transfigured. The Bible says he fell before him as dead. His glory. His glory. When I saw him, verse 17, I fell at his, his, at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me. I'm reminded of what the writer of Hebrews says. We do not have a high priest which is not touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all manner tempted like as we are yet without sin. He reached down and with his right hand and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I'm alive forever and ever and hold the keys of death and the grave. O oh, death, where is thy victory? O oh, grave, where is thy sting?
it is swallowed up in the life, this powerful life force called Jesus that John saw. His glory. Great is thy faithfulness. O God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Would you stand with me tonight? Father, my heart is overwhelmed with the power of your presence. And Lord, we may not fully be able to see it until we get to that place called heaven with you. But Father, I sense right now in my spirit that you're moving amongst us in this house. That the very glory that John saw and did his best to describe is flowing in our midst. Father God, I just pray right now that as you flow, that as you're moving in this house right now and reaching out, Lord, through our broadcast to those that are listening, I pray, Father God, that lives will be healed, bodies will be healed, minds will be healed. Lord, that, that relationships are being restored and healed that circumstances that are beyond the control of, of the technology and the knowledge that it's available to us today, that you're taking care of those things. That you're showing yourself mighty. Lord God, that tonight, right this moment at this hour, lives are being changed. And people are being touched by the power of God. I pray, Father, Lord, for every need that is in this house right here, right now. Lord, I don't have to know what it is. I, it doesn't matter that, that I know I, I'm not that important. But, Father, I do know that you already know what each person that is in this house needs right now. Father God, I'm asking you in right now in the name of Jesus to touch every person in this place right now. Every person that's watching or that will watch this in days to come, that you will minister and help them to know that they know that they know that the need has been taken care of. It's already done. All I have needed, that song says, your hand, Father God, has already provided. It's already bought. It's already paid for. It was taken care of on the cross of Calvary. It was signed and sealed on the day of resurrection. And it stands forevermore as done 
in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for those that may be listening today or will listen to this that do not know you as Savior and Lord of their life. This Jesus that John saw in all of his glory, in all of his majesty and his power, this Jesus who gave his life on the cross of Calvary, who went to a borrowed tomb and in three days the Spirit of God raised him from the dead and sealed forever the salvation plan that you had in place from the beginning of the foundation of the world. I pray, Father, that they will call upon you. Help them, Lord, to realize as Adam and Eve got to walk with you, Lord, as spirit-filled people have gotten to walk with you, Lord, down through the ages, Lord, these that need to make Jesus Savior and Lord of their life can experience your presence touching them and ministering to them. Father God, I pray, Lord, that you will just touch them right now. Help them, Lord God, just to realize that in Jesus' name we can call and you say, Jesus, it simply can be as simple as, Jesus, I need you to come in and take the mess I've made of my life and turn it around. He will change you. He will change you from the inside out. There'll be a new want to. There'll be a new desire to live like God wants you to live. That's what Jesus does. I'm asking you to do that. If when you do, if you don't do it tonight, if you do it sometime later, Lord, but if you do it, tell somebody. Find yourself a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church that will nurture you in the, and, and, and really help you grow in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. It's the best decision you'll ever make. Father God, I pray for those that will that have heard Lord, those that I believe are going to accept Jesus as Savior and Lord of their life. And I thank you for it. Father, I pray, Lord, for the needs of our church, Lord, that are on our prayer list. God, we ask you to touch, heal, deliver, meet the need, whatever it is, because you are more than able to do so. Father, God, help us to go from this place, realizing that the Jesus John saw on the Isle of Patmos he is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is our soon-coming King. And we want to be ready to meet Him and see Him as He is. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you and make His face shine upon you. Remember, as His child, He's with you every day. Lord bless you for being here tonight.